right. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, everyone. These are, we are your hosts, Ariane Smith. And Tiffany Hales. And this is the Sisters Edition. Yes, the Twin Sisters here for November. Um, all right. Not not to be a picky person, but I would like to start off just an airing of grievances tonight, if hey, I may. Air your grievances. One of the reasons we do this podcast, Ariane, <laughs> is so that when we have these grievances, which occasionally happen, there's just something cathartic about getting on here and publicly airing it our is. grievances. <laughs> and this is church-related. It's like a cultural church thing, which, you know, that's typically what we are airing our grievances about. That's very not, true. Not a, gos- not a gospel principle, but a cultural no. issue. <laughs> So. Yes, you, you. Usually, we are very fine with gospel principles. It's, it's the culture that kills us. So, so my daughters, her young women's this week, had a pajama party movie night at the church, which is very exciting. You don't get to do that very often in your No, you don't. Well, especially on a school night with movies being long. What movie did they watch? Um. Oh, they loved it. They had a great time. They watched. Watch. Now I can't remember. Oh, okay. Oh they watched a couple of short things, but they weren't, oh, okay. they weren't like, sure. I was like, oh, are they going to watch church movies? Because that's all we were allowed to watch. They weren't church yes. movies. They were uplifting, but they weren't like church. Necessarily. Okay. And now I can't remember what they were. I think they watched like a Charlie Brown. That's what it was. They watched a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and then they watched a couple of other short things, but I Perfect. don't remember what they were. Yes. Anyways, so they, they had a movie night at the church for young women's. They were very excited about this. A text was sent out the day before reminding them to come to the church, bring blankets, pillows. They'd have popcorns and snacks. Please wear your modest pajamas. Oh, no, they didn't. No. And no. I, did not, I didn't get the text, but my oldest daughter did. Um, She's 16. And I tell you what, because this is this was very normal for... Our generation. generation. Yes. Every every activity we were invited to said, wear modest this, wear modest that. Because this, wear that. Like very specifics on what we were to wear and not to wear. This was they were all about where your hemline ended and don't show your shoulders. Yes. Now we lived in high season for for the strength of youth, like the old old version for the strength. The old version. So this, like, had you mentioned this to me 15 years ago, I just wouldn't have even, like, considered. But my daughters will not put up with this BS. (laughs) Oh, gosh. They were not having it. They called it so fast. They were like, Mom, look at this text I just got. Like, (laughs) both of them. Well, my my younger one didn't get it. The the class president for my younger daughter changed the wording. So she didn't get the modest caveat in hers, oh. but my older daughter did. Okay. Um, and so... <laughs> did it set your older daughter off? Oh, she was so set off. She was like, Mom, it's November and it's freezing, so I was going to wear sweats, but she's like, now I think maybe I should wear short shorts. <laughs> she was so mad. And her friends that are in the ward, they were texting each other about this. And they were saying the same thing. Like, one of her really good friends in the ward was like, Hey, so we make a pact right now. We're showing up in our shorty shorts tomorrow. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> anyway. I don't think that was the intended consequence. No. Someone needs to do some rethinking and retooling and how they word stuff. No, I don't. And I know we've had this discussion on here before. And I, 
I love our young women leaders. They are fabulous. They are amazing people and they love those girls so, so much. So, I mean, I don't want to like throw them under the bus. I love them to pieces. I just think this is a cultural thing that we are struggling to get over. I think it's left over from those old mm-hmm. strength of youth days. I, it's left. O- I mean, this should have been gone a decade ago. I exactly. think. Um, and especially now that we have a new for strength of youth manual, I'm like, this should be completely stripped from our vocabulary. I feel like the only time you should stipulate how someone should dress for mutual is if you're going to the temple or fireside where you need to wear church dress. Exactly. Or, and then you just say church dress. Yeah, you don't, you talk don't about say the modest the church, church dress. dress. No, exactly. you don't say modest church dress. I think you're swimming, you're boating, you're playing baseball, you're whatever you're doing, say wear a swimsuit. Be prepared to get wet. That is exactly. it. There does not need to be a descriptor. Um, I feel like the new strength of youth has left it up to the kids. It says, you know, your body is a temple. Dress, uh, you know, talk with your parents, honor your body, dress appropriately, but it gives no guidelines for what appropriate is. I think it's very subjective and it's very personal. It does say, it does say in the new wording, avoid styles that emphasize or draw attention to your physical body instead of who you are inside. Again, no specifics. That is very subjective. We're over specifics. Yes, we're over specifics. And I just... And my perspective on this has completely changed now that I have teenage girls. It is a struggle to get them there. And I'm like, you add one tiny, tiny little thing that makes them feel judged in the littlest way, or like maybe they can't be themselves or they can't wear what they wear around their friends or or around, you know, their yeah. family. It just, it's already a challenge to get them there. I don't need any more challenges. Exactly. Well, and and it's, I think it is one of those things that it is just going to take time for that language yeah. and that usage to die out. And, you know, again, if, you know, you are keenly aware of it because you have these teenage daughters, I, you know, I don't know who drafted the initial text, if they have teenage daughters or, or, or maybe in their house, they still focus on hem lengths and shoulders and all of that. Sort right. Of and if they do, that is completely fine. fine. That is a family, dis- like exactly. it says in here, discuss it with your parents, like, like ask your parents for guidance yeah. on this. So yeah, totally. But, but maybe just be aware that, you know, the standards in your house might not be the standards in somebody else's house. And again, that's how it, that, that is the intent of, for the strength of youth is every, everyone is supposed to pray and receive their own guidance about what they feel comfortable with. Yeah. And what's appropriate. That was my little moment of the week where I was like, oh man, are we still doing this? Are we still (laughs) doing this in 2023? We are. We are. Well, plus then you had to deal with your daughter who you had to, you know, peel her off the ceiling and calm her down. And and I assume because it was cold, she did end up uh, not wearing anything she, she shorty wore, short. She wore her sweats because it was freezing outside. Exactly. <laughs> as much as she wanted to be rebellious, her desire to be warm won out. Fair enough. <laughs> Again, right in line with the strength of the youth. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, for those watching on video, usually you and I are in the same room and it is very obvious tonight we are not in the same room because I am in the fair state of Utah tonight. 
So yes. I am I am podcasting remotely with you. Um, well, you know why I came down here, but of course our listeners don't. We had an uncle that passed away in October, and they are doing a memorial for him tomorrow. And so it worked out for my schedule to come down. I know you wanted to come down, but couldn't make it work. So I was sad I couldn't. I know that would have been a it would have been a fun sisters mm-hmm. trip, but I am packing in a lot on this trip because our brother who is a first time dad at 48 and I got to see the babies today cuz he had twins, twin little boys. They're so it's cute. It's wild. It's wild and I'm so jealous. It's they were they were so You got to adorable. hold the babies. I did. And they mm. they haven't woken up yet. They're still in that, you know, I'm a big old sleepyhead stage. Mm-hmm. And so one of them was actually pretty awake. And the other one just he could he wouldn't wake up for anything. He was like, Yeah, nah, I'm nah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. And then I got to go to dinner tonight with my son and his fiance. But here, let me show you what the most important thing is that I located down here in the state of Utah. Cherry chip cake mix. We need to give a pause and for a second here and talk about cherry chip cake mix. This is amazing. It's very retro. Reminds me of my childhood in the 80s. (laughs) It is so retro. This is by far my favorite cake mix. And I, I, we ate it a lot growing up. Our, it was one of the flavors that our mom really liked. I remember the cherry chip, the lemon. I don't remember a lot of, uh, some chocolate, maybe a little bit of vanilla, but a number of years ago, I went to look for it. It wasn't on the shelves in the grocery store anymore. And I don't know if you recall, I was absolutely distraught. I could not find it in the I grocery remember. store. Oh, I remember. So, I got online and I was able to find a case of it on Amazon. It was hideously expensive and it came out of Canada. So I was like, well, apparently it's still available in Canada, just not America. Uh-huh. And so I ordered this case from Canada and I have been, I have been, uh, guarding the case of cherry chip cake mix and using it and hauling it out only on very special occasions. So we had a family reunion this summer. So in honor of the family reunion, I made the cherry chip cake mix. I didn't make it as a cake. I made it as cookies. Our brother was there and he said, oh, I haven't had this in a long time. And I said, well, enjoy it because you can't find it in America. And he said, well, I'm pretty sure it's at Harmon's in Utah. And I was like, you're kidding me. So he came back to Utah and he said, sure enough, it's at Harmon's. And so today, as soon as I crossed into the border of Utah and was near a Harmon's, I went to Harmon's and I bought myself some boxes and I texted you and I said, Ariane, do you want the cherry chip cake mix? And I was like, uh, yeah, pick me up four. <laughs> you know, I have That's decided- so random. This must be a Hales thing because I posted about it on Facebook and our cousin Ryan, his uh-huh. wife commented on my post and she said, what is it with you Hales people and the cherry chip cake mix? That's Ryan's favorite too. Is this some really? sort of family thing? It must be a family thing. Maybe it was like our version of Utah Jello at family events was maybe I don't know. cherry chip cake. Oh, speaking of Utah Jello, last month for Linger Longer, I took my lime oh, Jello. Yes, how my did it go? Famous lime Jello. Well, it was all consumed, so oh, it must good. have tasted delicious. I personally you, did not partake. You didn't put anything funky in it, like carrots. I did not because I was <laughs> following the recipe out of the Essential Mormon Cookbook, and the Essential mm-hmm. Mormon Cookbook did not call for carrots. But I was sorely tempted to put the carrots in. That's unfortunate. So. 
I will be missing Linger Longer this month because it is this Sunday and I will still be in Utah. But I have a I have a great recipe for December's Linger Longer <laughs> that I'm going to make you try when we podcast in December. <laughs> I'm not okay. If I try this, will you promise this is the last this is the last strange thing you're gonna feed me on this podcast? <laughs> Well, I can't make that promise, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe I'll be good. <laughs> All, All right. right. Should we do some news stories? Yes, let's do some news stories. I'm hoping my computer survives. I'm getting weird battery messages. I'm oh, trying dear. to deal with that. Okay. Well, I wondered we'll why keep... you were moving around. Yes, I'm moving around with cords. We'll carry on and just see what happens. Okay. Well, that would be par for the course tonight because we've had a number of technical issues. So... All right, so I'm going to start with the first story. This We had two breaking stories today, and I'm covering the first, and you're covering the second one. Okay. The first breaking story is President Nelson got on social media today and gave us all a health update. He said, yo, peeps, I am back at work, and uh, said that he's feeling better, that he has recovered from his back injury, that he really didn't miss that much because they set him up virtually so he could do a lot virtually from his mm-hmm. home, but... Uh, He's back in the game. This is very exciting news. I think everybody's kind of been a little bit on edge about this. Is he gonna is he gonna make it back? And it sounds like he's on the up and up. So that's great yes. news. Well, I kind of wondered because a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago I saw a picture floating around again on the internet where um, he was uh, with Bryce Harper and Bryce Harper's wife. And Bryce Harper was giving him a uh, baseball shirt that mm-hmm. said Harper on the back. And it appeared to me that they were in President Nelson's office. And so I thought, oh, maybe he's going in a little bit more now. He'll go in for Bryce Harper. Yes. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Okay. All right. Next story we have is the church just announced where they will be putting the Light the World giving machines this year. Um, They are massively upping the numbers on these by the year. They are. So they had 28 last year in 2022, which I remember was like a really big record number. We were like, wow, 28. Now they have 61 in 61 cities um, in the United States and in several countries. They're doing some in Mexico, Guatemala, Guatemala, Australia, New Zealand, the Philippines, and Canada. And then the rest are in the United States. I'm a little bit miffed about this uh, Let's see if you and location I are list. about the same thing. Because there is not a single one in the state of Idaho. Yes, that is what exactly is what I thought here? too. Like, I'm bitter. They're in like, oh, let's read some of them. They're all over. They're all over yeah. the country, but not in Idaho. They I are mean, in like Henderson. Prescott, Prescott, Arizona gets one. Yeah, Why Henderson, Arizona has a ton. They have Gila Valley, Gilbert, Tucson. They had one in Tucson last year. That's the only time I've been to one. Um, they have one in like Philadelphia, Richmond, Virginia, Sacramento, California, Des Moines, Iowa. Like they are dotting the map. They're all over, but we don't have one in Idaho. And I'm really confused because it would do, it would like kill here in Boise or in Eastern Idaho where there are a ton of members. It would do so well. The only thing I can think is like, maybe they're having a hard time finding a good spot to put it. 
Yeah. Is that a possibility? That could be a possibility. But do you remember last year they had the mobile giving machines that they had them on trailers? Mm -hmm. And so they went around. I was looking at this list because I was trying to figure out if any of these cities are going to be mobile or if they're going to have a fixed machine. But it didn't say if they were going to be mobile Mm -hmm. or have the fixed machine. But... I mean, I'm assuming if you have a mobile machine, I mean, how hard is it to move the mobile machine around and and maybe contract with, you know, the mall's parking lot? Hey, Mm -hmm. can I park my mobile machine there for two or three days? People can go to the mall and see the giving machine and give in the mobile giving machine. Right. Yeah, because they do seem to place them in malls quite a bit. The one they I went do. to the one I went to in Tucson was in a mall. They're getting one in Portland this year. I know it's in a mall. Um maybe we don't have enough malls here. We have one indoor mall here and the rest are outdoors. True. Anyway, I don't know why, but Idaho is not on the list again. I know. I, I'm glad you noted that because I did too when I saw the list. I'm like, what? We're full of Mormons. Why don't we have any giving machines? We'd give it so much money. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, I would love it for, I know they do a lot with wherever it visits, they'll do some for local nonprofits. And I would love that for us. I would love us to like give a little ex, like help raise a little extra for our local nonprofits. I think that would be really cool. Agreed. Well, I guess, we we are happy that there's more machines mm-hmm. in more locations yes. because that is always a very good thing. I'm we're sure just, our time will come. We're st- we're just bucking because we want one in Idaho. Maybe next year they'll double it and we'll finally get one. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> it'll be like the temples. You know how they at, they only had like one or two giving machines at first. They only had one or two um, temples, and then like every year they just multiplied. Yeah, Who knows? Probably. <laughs> so. All right. So our next story is Elder Oopdorf. They sent, uh, the church sent Elder Oopdorf to Washington, D.C. And he had a little meet and greet with a whole bunch of people while he was back there. So he went there for three days from October 21st to October 27th. He visited with nine ambassadors and diplomats and then three United States senators. And so he was there with his wife. Harriet accompanied him as well as Elder Jose Texaria, I think, of the Presidency of the Seventy and his wife. Uh, And they went and saw the ambassadors for Malaysia, Vietnam, India, Brunei, Pakistan, Cambodia, Thailand, and, of course, Germany. Now, when I first read this article, I thought to myself, how... I'm just always curious with kind of the behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. How did they decide, hey, let's send Dieter to D.C.? You know, how how does that come up, Um, you know, when they make those various assignments? And um, one of the things that it did say towards the end of the article is one of the reasons that they picked him is having previously traveled to most of the countries whose ambassadors he met with last week, Elder Oopdorf was able to better connect with them through personal experiences and understandings of their backgrounds and culture. Okay, that's interesting. I got to say, just going into it blind when I saw this headline and read the first few paragraphs, I thought, if I were going to pick, I'd pick him. Well, that's very true. He's charming. He's so charming. He's, (laughs) you know, he's just... I feel like he'd be great at this. Exactly. I also noticed that our senator, Senator Risch, was on the list of U.S. senators that he met with. 
And I really, really want to know what they talked about. Exactly. Um, I wish I could have given Dieter some questions to ask. Sorry, Elder Uchtdorf. <laughs> I wish I could have given him some questions to ask Senator Rich. Rich. <laughs> I, did I have too. some feelings. <laughs> so, so what would you, what would you have asked him to ask Senator Rich if you? Well, could? we shouldn't get into it on here because okay. it would bore we'll people. But did you hear about that airport controversy with his land? Oh yeah, I heard yeah. about the airport controversy. I want to know about that. I want to have a discussion about guns. Um, <laughs> I won't get into it. Not this is not the time or place. <laughs> well, but I know, do wonder what he talked. I wonder what they discussed. He met with the exactly. Utah ones. Obviously, they probably yeah. already have a well established established relationship. Is Senator Rich LDS? He is probably no. right. Oh, he's no, not. Senator Rich is actually quite Catholic, very Catholic. Oh, interesting. Which again makes this list all the more interesting mm-hmm. because it's understandable why he met with Romney and Mike Lee, just like right. what you said. That's that's kind of a duh. Right. But I was ve- I was left scratching my head as to why in the world he met with Senator Rich. Interesting. I really want to know what they talked about. I know. So I'm sure it was not anything that was on my list. But. Probably not. And and I can't remember right off the top of my head what senatorial committees that Rish is on. I know mm-hmm. he's chairman of something, mm-hmm. um, but I don't remember right off the top of my head because I thought, well, maybe he's going there because of the committee that, that Rish chairs and the church has oh, some right. sort of an interest there. Because I I can't imagine, you know, what um, why they know, would and, randomly pick him. Right? Yeah, exactly. Why they would randomly pick him, and and you know, Rish's influence is obviously more on the national and international mm-hmm. level than it is on anything that they wanted to do here in Idaho. Anything yeah. that the church wanted to do in Idaho, our legislature is filled with representatives and senators who are members of the church. So. Mm-hmm. There, and Rish has very little influence over local politics. His influence is much more on the national level. But um, I thought that was interesting. Also, some highlights from his trip is they talked about, uh, Elder Uppdorf said, we are totally transparent. We go to these countries because um, we believe in a cause and anyone who wants to join us of their own free will are welcome. Mm-hmm. And so um, what he was trying to do with these various ambassadors and diplomats, again, build relations so that the church can be in their country, not be threatening um I don't know if threatening is the right word, but just say, hey, we want to come to your country. This is what we'd like to do. We're not forcing our religion on anybody. We just want to be good citizens and good people. And anybody who wants to know more about us, they're welcome to know more about us. Anybody who doesn't, that's fine too. But he also got asked a lot of questions. He got asked some questions about tithing and he got asked some questions about um Mecca. So uh, Masood Khan, the ambassador for the Islamic Republic of Pakistan, asked mm-hmm. Elder Ufdorf about um, what is your Mecca or your holy place? And so it mm. opened up an opportunity for Elder Ufdorf to discuss the temples. So, okay, that's cool. I know. So he was a he was a very good ambassador out on his little trip. Sounds like a successful trip. Yes. Um, okay. Next article we have is kind of a fun one. This is about a study that BYU did 13 years ago. They did it back in 2010 about sibling relationships. And this whole, this article was titled why people are talking about this 13 year old BYU study. I guess this study just keeps popping up on 
various TikTok. like social media yeah. outlets and it's been yeah. like quoted on talk shows in the like past over the years. Um, but this sibling, this study, what they particularly focused on were sibling relationships and they found a correlation between sisters and mental health. Like basically mm. if you have a sister, um, you're more likely to have like better mental health growing up. Sisters are good. Exactly. I but I thought that was so interesting. Um, not not that he's not that that means that brothers can't share, but they said one of the um things that they've like kind of picked up from this study is that sisters are more likely to do a lot of more emotional sharing, and just like that can be really good, obviously for your mental health to engage in that growing up and having a sister to help engage you in that can be just very good for your mental health. Um, and then, but I also thought it was really interesting. They just focused a lot on this study about the sibling relationship in general and how good it is to have sibling relationships. And then they pointed out that like, typically your sibling relationships are longer. They said they last 50% longer than any other relationship you have. And I was like, wow, that is just something I never considered before. Um, well, it, it makes sense. It makes sense because your parents die usually a lot quicker, like earlier than yeah. your siblings die. So that relationship is probably the longest relationship you'll have in your life. You know your siblings before you meet your your spouse or your partner. And so I thought, oh, this is so interesting. Anyway, they, it just talked about how good it is to have siblings and how good it is for your mental health. And just all the benefits of it. And it just keeps popping up. They uh, interviewed one of the original researchers on it who still works at BYU right now. Yes. And um, they said that this a typical study like this has a shelf life of about like 15 years. But this one is kind of very broad and general. And they said, we think this one might last longer. <laughs> so... Well, one of the things that they said that I really mm -hmm. liked is statistical analysis showed having a sister protected adolescents from feeling lonely, unloved, guilty, conscious, or fearful. This was true whether the sister was younger or older, and no matter how apart, far apart the siblings were in ages. Yeah. And I read that, and guess what I thought of? What? Yeah. Us. Us. <laughs> I know. I, I thought the whole, I wholeheartedly, I, as I read it, I was like, I agree. I agree. I agree. I see it with us and I see it with my girls too. So. So is that fun to see it with your girls? I mean, we, oh, we obviously have a very so tight fun. relationship and we have a tight relationship with our third sister as well as our yeah. brother. Yeah. But what is that like to see that in your girls? It is so fun. It is one of my favorite things about being a parent is watching my kids interact, especially as they get older, now that they're yeah. starting to be teenagers, like they are good friends. Not that they never fight. Of course they have their moments, but they already, I feel like because they are closer in age, they already have tighter relationships than you yeah. and I had at that yeah. age. We obviously caught up once we yeah. got older and we were both grown up, but, but they already have more of that than I had at their age. Yeah. I, I had that with our younger sister at their age, yeah. but it's so, so fun to watch. So do you think part of it too is them seeing us modeling sister behavior and that they understand, oh, this is how sisters interact and behave with each other? Oh yeah, I totally do. 
And they get to see that all the time now that I moved. Now, since I moved back here, they get to see that all the time. So I definitely think that helps. So yeah, no, anyway, it's fun. I, I loved this article. I totally geek out on sibling stuff and like birth order. I love it when there's like a birth order study. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) that stuff is real. (laughs) That birth order stuff. Have you met my older sister, Tiffany? She's a firstborn. She's really bossy. She always tells me what to do. She takes her firstborn role very seriously. <laughs> yes. And I'm such a middle child and our youngest sister is such a youngest child. That's very true. <laughs> and that's how my kids are too. <laughs> so. All right. Moving on. Our next story is about teacher council meetings for parents. Now, you may recall back in August during Education Week, the Sunday School Presidency, the General Sunday School Presidency, spoke at Education Week and they said, hey, this is a change we want to make is we have these teacher councils that are for people who teach primary, people who teach young men, young women, elders quorum, Sunday School, uh, Relief Society. But we want to offer these teacher councils to parents and bring groups of parents together to engage in these teacher councils uh, to kind of help each other with parenting things. And so, you know, that was dropped in August. Um, And what's interesting is so Mark L. Pace, who is the Sunday School General President, he recently was in Arcadia, California. And he visit, he went, while he was there, he visited a teacher council or sat in on a teacher council that was for parents. And so um, he said that, you know, after it was over with, he was kind of asking those in attendance, you know, what did the Holy Ghost teach you? And one man said he felt inspired to turn off the radio while driving with his family. Another said he needed better help. Better, he needed to better help his wife carry the load of teaching their children. A third person talked about turning off cell phones um, more often in their home. And President Pace went on to say, none of these things were things that were talked about in the teacher council. They were just things that the spirit spoke to these parents in the teacher council about things that they could do in their own home to improve their own situations. And so I thought this was really interesting because he was talking about, you know, these teacher councils need to kind of be a three-part thing. There needs to be a discussion about um, parents uh, should discuss gospel principles found in teaching the Savior's way. Uh, They should also plan to discuss how they can apply the scriptures, come follow me or other resources in home study, in addition Mm -hmm. to kind of the problem solving things. And so... Um, he said, you know, these teacher council meetings for parents should be held quarterly in accordance with the guidebook for regular teacher council meetings. I don't know about your ward. My ward is not doing this yet. Is your no, ward doing I this have, at all? I haven't seen this in my ward yet. I was wondering if you guys had, because I don't think I've, no, we haven't seen it yet. I mean, I'm in primary, so I don't always catch everything, but I'm pretty sure I would have heard about this. I don't think yeah. we've done it. Well, and they just, um, just last week, they started a new teacher council in my ward, but they had um, Relief Society Elders Quorum and young men and young women leaders go to it mm-hmm. during the Sunday school hour. And it was focused on that. It wasn't, it wasn't focused on the parents. So, um, you know, hopefully this is maybe kind of starting to gain steam. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of it. I, 
I think especially if you get a bunch of parents in there, new parents, middle mm -hmm. parents, older parents, everybody's going to come with these different perspectives that will do just like what President Pace said. You know, you're sitting there, you're listening, and maybe you're not doing you know, you, what they're saying won't work for you, but something mm -hmm. comes to your mind that you're like, oh, that could really work in my family. This could help improve that situation in my family. So I love yeah. the idea. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And and it's very kind of like the strength of youth for youth. It's very mm -hmm. open. It doesn't necessarily have to be led by the Sunday school the way that regular teacher councils are. The bishop can structure it, you know, mm -hmm. any way he would like. So we'll have to, we'll just have, kind of have to stay on top of that and see if either of our wards pick mm -hmm. this up and decide to run with it at all. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So well, and we haven't seen a lot being discussed with it since they announced it at mm -hmm. Education Week. This is the first article I've seen since then. And when I read the article, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they talked about that. So yeah. I don't know if it's so just maybe not it's on a people's slow, yeah, maybe it's a slow rollout. Yeah, radar. So interesting stuff. Okay. Next article is we got an updated kind of press release, media release today of missionary numbers coming out of Salt Lake. Um so they said that missionary numbers are uh, numbers of missionary missionaries serving for the church is back up to pre-COVID levels and above. Yes. A, li a little bit above pre-COVID levels. So, which actually really surprised me because yeah. I thought we were still pretty low last yeah. I heard, but we must have gotten, gone up. We got a boost from that conference talk, <laughs> begging for senior missionaries. <laughs> but well, they did say that they're also opening 36 new missions this year because the mission numbers are up so much. So. Well, and Matt and Melissa did talk about that last week, about the 36 new missions. Mm -hmm. What makes this story different is this was a press conference that the church did on Monday saying, okay, we told you last week that we were doing 36 new missions. Now we're going to tell you all the reasons why. <laughs> right. And they mentioned, you know, senior missionaries. They said those applications aren't all processed, but they will be. But they also mentioned, you know, the service missionaries have added a lot to these numbers, and which is great. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they currently... 72,721 missionaries out there. Well, the other thing that I liked about this article mm -hmm. is so this was, this was, they invited the media to come and to do interviews and ask questions. And so they had four people there for the media to interview. They had Elder Cook, they had Elder Rasband, they had Elder Marcus B. Nash, a General Authority 70, and then they had Sister Amy Wright, First Counselor in the Primary General Presidency. So I was quite impressed that on their panel here for the media that they included a sister. And that I was think nice. we are seeing that a lot more. I think we are seeing a lot more inclusion of Relief Society, young men, women, and primary general boards being included on a lot of these things, which I love that. Yeah, that's nice. Very nice. Okay, what's next? Next is daily routines. So there is a gentleman by the name of Keith B. McMullen. He is the CEO of Deseret Management Corp., uh, which is a global operating company managing the for-profit entities associated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So that would be like Deseret Book, Deseret News, uh, 
the Deseret mm -hmm. Media, uh, KSL, all of that kind of stuff. What, whatever falls under the umbrella of the Deseret Management Corp. Uh, he is the CEO of. He formerly was in the second counselor in the presiding bishopric from 1995 to 2012. So he was invited to come to Enzyme College and they were having what's called a career week. And so he was invited to speak at career week. And so he started off with, you know, what is a career? And he gave a dictionary definition of a career. And his topic was fulfilling your life's mission, how your career can help you shape your life. And this was the keynote address. And so he goes through and he talks about um, daily choices and how those daily choices helped shape his life and his career. And he gives three things that you should do daily. And I loved this because I think no matter who you are, you know, whether you have a career, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you are retired, whatever stage in life you're at, I think that all three of these things are super applicable. The first one he says is he says, prepare to be led. And I looked at that and I'm like, oh, that means keep an open mind and be humble. Because mm -hmm. if you've ever worked with somebody who they, they, they're, they don't have an open mind. They want to do it their way or the highway. They don't want to think about, you know, anybody else. That can be really challenging. And so mm -hmm. he talks about prepare to be led. He told the kids, study your patriarchal blessing, pray, read your scriptures, and writing in a journal and exercising. He said uh, he really likes writing in his journal because it clears out the cobwebs from the previous day. And he likes exercising because he said, I want to keep my body as useful as it can for as long as I can. Now, the number two thing he said, I laughed at this one. I laughed at this one too. I thought this could make some people mad. <laughs> make your own bed. So tell me why I, you laughed at it and then I'll tell you why I laughed at it. I laughed at it because I feel like ma the making your bed advice is very polarizing. I feel like this is a very common thing that motivational speakers say make your bed. I've heard this before. Okay. And I feel like it's polarizing. You, there are people who are bed makers and there are people who are not. I am a bed maker. I cannot go to bed at night without having my bed made. If it is five o'clock at night and my bed isn't made, I will make it before I get in it. That's how like crazy I am about it. But I realized that I'm crazy and that's not normal. But um, I know there are people that are not, which is totally cool. And they get really mad when people say, make your bed every day. <laughs> Okay, because they so, don't care. <laughs> where are your kids on the scale of make your bed every day? Oh, they don't do it. <laughs> Not at all. I, we we had a brief period where my two youngest were doing it, but then they they fell off the wagon because I got them those beddies, you know, oh, that yeah, zip that up. They just have to zip up. So I was like, uh, "Hello, children. This is so. I've made this so easy for you." <laughs> and I actually sometimes my oldest will do it. My oldest is about like maybe. 40%, 40 to 50% of the time she'll make her bed, but everybody else's no. Well, I don't know if you recall this growing up again, because there's such a disparity in our, oh, in our age. I recall our mom was a huge, huge on bed making. I used to get jelly beans. Is this what you're talking about? No, but that's, oh. yeah, I, 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 yes, you probably did get jelly beans. I never got jelly beans. I got yelled at, make your bed, oh. make your bed, make your bed. See, and this I, is the benefits of being on the younger end. They exactly. learned to like, they learned the skill of bribery. <laughs> exactly. No, there was no bribery. So she would just yell at me and I would pretty much go, mm, yeah, no. And so sometimes I'd make my bed, sometimes I wouldn't. 
But here's how I got my revenge against our mother. So for years and years and years, I didn't make my bed, drove her nuts, because she had made a really cute bedspread, pillows. I mean, I had a, a very mm -hmm. cute room, as you did as well. Yes. So I don't make my bed when I'm a teenager. I get to college. All of a sudden, my bed's made every day and my room's immaculate. <laughs> <laughs> and I've made my bed ever since. I'm with oh you. I have to make it. It bugs me if it doesn't. Well, this gives me hope for my children. <laughs> yes, it should. <laughs> anyway, his point in making your bed was, uh, I may not be able to manage anything else in my day, but if I made my bed, I've at least had a success during the day. I'm like, that's probably a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> and then his last point is take the road less traveled. He talks about the Robert Frost poem uh, where it says the road not taken. Two roads diverged in a wood and I took the one less traveled and that has made all the difference. And I, I really liked that too. Um, and he likened that unto um, the scriptures. And he said, you know, choose truths instead of doubt. Choose in integrity instead of dishonesty and manipulation. Be true to one's identity as a child of God. And he was just saying, you know, the well-traveled road sometimes is the road that goes the world's way. So maybe that's why you want to take the path less taken. So okay. I thought he made some really good points to those students at Enzyme yeah. College. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, the next article, um, this just came out a couple days ago. This is an update on the lawsuit out of Arizona about the abuse case. This this was awful. When when did this law, like it's been a couple years. It's been at least a year since we discussed this. I think a year and a half. Well, and you know what? I actually discussed it a little bit when I was on with Cassandra, but we didn't oh, discuss this. Mm -hmm. What okay. we were discussing when I was on with Cassandra is... is um, uh, there had been a ruling that there had there had been a ruling that was being taken up on appeal to the U, the Arizona Supreme Court because they had um, found that um, it, it was separate from this. I'm trying to rec recall, but. Okay. What they were taking up with the Arizona Supreme Court was, Supreme Court, we want you to find that this particular law that says the church can't mm. be sued and the protection is unconstitutional. Okay. So that is still going, working its way through That's the court system. That's working its way through. Yes. So this case is actually um, the children suing the yes. church, the children yes. that were abused. So if you, if you remember, this was this awful case out of Arizona where the dad was abusing the daughters and had confessed to the bishop and had gone through the whole like church council excommunication process. But because there's not a mandatory reporting law in Arizona, it was never reported. And this abuse continued for at, at least six years after the church, the bishop found out. So it was just awful. So these children have, you know, been in court suing the church and a judge just dismissed it this week. Um, he said that he just, dis he dismissed it because the church is exempt because of the state's uh, mandatory reporting laws and the way that they're written. Um, so the, the attorney for the children, her name is Lynn Cadigan. She was arguing that um, because it was this, there were other people that knew about this through the church uh, because the mother of the children also came to the bishop and it wasn't in a confession kind of situation. She was telling yeah. them about the family situation. And then there were all these um, obviously stake high council people that knew about it that were on the disciplinary council. She was trying to argue that, look, 
those shouldn't fall under this clergy law. They, yeah, you know, but the judge dismissed it. So she's going to appeal and keep, try to keep fighting. I just think this is so sad. I personally, I just, it just makes me sad that the church doesn't step up and say, Hey, let's make all of us mandatory reporters, no matter what the law is. And it makes me sad that this is the law in so many States in our country. There are 33 States that have exemptions for mandatory reporting from clergy. If it's like a confessional Um, and the church has lobbied hard for that. And so has the Catholic church, they said, and also Jehovah's witnesses. So we're not the only church that is in favor of those laws. And that just makes me sad. I just, I don't like it, but that's, you know, that's my opinion. I, I, I get it. It's a, it's a tough Mm -hmm. balance because you've got the freedom, you've got religious freedom and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a big proponent of religious freedom. And this is what I said in the podcast with Cassandra, Mm -hmm. but I'm also a big proponent of, we got to protect kids. Yeah. And it, it just, it seems in this case that, that sadly there was not a lot of that going on, but. Yeah. So I'm sure this will come up again. They're going to appeal. And like you said, the other one is still going with the Supreme Court of Arizona. So we'll, I'm sure, hear more about this in the future. Uh, Next, we have a more uplifting story. Yes. Let's talk about this one. I like this one. This one is very sweet. Um, There is several stakes that got together in the Bay Area to work on a service project um, for a group called magic. It's called the magic yarn project. And a lot of these stakes got together this group magic yarn project. They make these knit hat knit hats for kids with cancer, but these are not just ordinary beanies. They deck these beanies out to look like Baby Yoda, princesses with full blown like yarn hair, superheroes, um, superheroes. They are the cutest. They're things. so cute. They're adorable. When I saw the pictures, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And the skill. I can't believe they have enough people that know how to do this. These look intense to me. Uh, well, but I don't know. I'm not a knitter or a crocheter. I think what they do, if I understand mm-hmm. correctly, is they have the, the volunteers come and make the hats and they've uh-huh. got ways to teach the volunteers to make the hats. And then the things that are added onto the hat, somebody that has a little more specialty skill adds those on to the they hat. They add them on That's to embellish. That's kind of what I gathered when uh-huh. I was looking at the photographs. Y'all need to go into the show notes and you need to pull up this article and see the photographs because it is amazing. It is they're, absolutely amazing. They're, they're darling. So cute. They're so cute. So they gathered 390 volunteers over about two days to work on these hats. And their goal was to make 200 and they were able to make 230 of these. They call them wigs. They call them hats. They're yeah. so, so cute for kids with cancer. So love to hear about that great work happening in stakes in California. Exactly. All right. Should we move on to Mormons behaving badly? Yes. The okay. good news is we have no new news, right? Exactly. We're just doing some updates on frequent offenders. That is exactly right, is I have no new Mormons behaving badly. But I do have Mormons that have previously behaved badly that are still behaving badly. So... Shock and awe. I have a Tim Ballard update. Uh. But notice that Tim Ballard was not a lead story. His his story is losing momentum. He's now down into the category of updates and Mormons behaving badly. Great. 
permanent residency. Permanent residency (laughs) along with my friend Ammon Bundy. So a couple of things that came out recently for Tim Ballard. The civil lawsuit where the victims um, that were part of this couple ruse, ruse thing that have sued Tim at Operation Underground Railroad and a whole bunch of other entities filed an amended lawsuit. And there were a few interesting things that came out in that amended lawsuit. First thing that came out, attached in the amended lawsuit or included in it, was an email from Glenn Beck to... Tim Ballard. So if you want to know Glenn Beck's personal email, <laughs> you can go look at the lawsuit documents. What was interesting about this email is this came out on, on Saturday. He wrote this on Saturday, September 16th. The mm-hmm. story broke on Friday, September 15th. And apparently Glenn Beck must have some sort of close association with Elder Neil Anderson because when this story breaks, he reaches out to Neil Anderson because he talks about reaching out to Neil Anderson at the beginning of the email saying, hey, I called Brother Elder Anderson. He doesn't know anything about this. He's not sure Mm -hmm. what's going on. You know, let's not jump to any conclusions yet. And so. I thought, first of all, that that was very interesting that Elder Anderson, he was overseas at the time, didn't know what was going on. And second, that Glenn Beck has that relationship that he just ding-a-ling-a-ling, Elder Anderson, I probably shouldn't be surprised. Seems random. (laughs) Second thing that came out is um, Sean Reyes, who is the Utah Attorney General. Uh, This is alleged in the lawsuit that... Uh, He intimidated or attempted uh, to kind of interfere with witnesses testifying or cooperating with the investigation of the Davis County attorney. Uh, Attorney General Reyes issued a press statement and he vehemently denies that. He says, "I've, I've never done that. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, if anything, they can prove there. And finally, the most interesting thing that came out was, um, There was an allegation in this amended lawsuit that the church provided tithing records to Operation Underground Railroad so that Operation Underground Railroad would then know who to target for monetary donations. So the church issued a statement on that and they said, absolutely, categorically, we did not do that. We keep our tithing records confidential. We did not release our tithing records. Um... Me thinks the truth is somewhere in the middle. I know. I'm really dying to know, but I feel like we're never going to know. It's no, kind of like a he, he said, she said situation here. I do not think that the church released tithing records saying, hey, you know, here's records. Here's what people paid. I, I, I categorically believe they did not do that. What I think might have happened is the church is aware of who in the church is wealthy. And you look at that video that was done by Russell Russell Bronson, who happens to live in your stake, and he says, I was connected to Tim Ballard via Elder Ballard. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what what Russell Bronson's connection to Elder Ballard is or how, you know, I never, I didn't watch his video, but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe Tim Ballard was given lists of names of individuals who might be sympathetic to his Underground Railroad cause, and perhaps you should reach out to them and solicit monetary donations and help right. from them. I That's know. what my suspicion well, is. And the lines can be very blurred, too, because I wonder if Elder Ballard probably has relationships, yeah, personal oh, yeah. relationships with a lot of these high donors, right? 
Well, clearly we know Glenn Beck has a personal relationship with Neil Anderson. I guess he's calling up Russell Brunson. So, yeah. I mean, do they all just run in the same circles maybe? <laughs> so, I don't know. It's it's a little it's a little weird. <laughs> we are we are not in that stratosphere. We will never know. All right. Next update. My Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Ammon Bundy. Although with the rate Tim Ballard's going, he might be a candidate also for a Lifetime (laughs) Achievement Award. Ammon Bundy. Uh, He is, uh, he's likely to lose his house as a part of his judgment. Uh, A Jim County judge has ruled that he has essentially forfeited uh, a case over the sale of his house after he filed uh, paperwork incorrectly for the second time. So, St. Luke's lawyers went in, tried to undo this fraud, what they considered to be a fraudulent uh, sale of Ammon Bundy's house. They filed a lawsuit over it. Ammon Bundy was served. He was supposed to file an answer. He didn't file the correct paperwork. The judge gave him an extension until the 26th of October. On the 26th of October, he filed paperwork, but he didn't file paperwork related to this case. The paperwork that he filed in this case related to another case. So the judge was pretty much like, yeah, I'm done. And Is he deal. representing himself? Does he not have an attorney. He does not have an attorney. He's representing oh, himself. This this is, this is yeah. part of the problem. This is a problem. <laughs> um, anyway, and so he, Ammon Bundy gets the default in the mail and all of a sudden he's like, ooh, ooh, judge. I, yeah. Can I have another, can I have another shot? As of now, the judge has not given him another shot to file the correct paperwork. So I don't know how this is going to go down. And finally, a Lori Vallow update. When I podcasted with Cassandra, I indicated that the governor had, of Idaho had signed the correct paperwork to uh, to export her to Arizona to stand trial down there. Apparently, Maricopa County doesn't want her just yet. They're not going to come pick her up till she's uh, till her appeal in Idaho has worked its way through the court. She has appealed her mm-hmm. guilty verdict here in Idaho, and so justice in Arizona will have to wait a bit longer. Interesting. All right. That's all my Mormons behaving badly. Here's my question. If she's found guilty in Arizona and she's also guilty in Idaho, where will she, where will she spend her time? Oh, she will spend her time in Idaho because she was sentenced in Idaho first. And granted, she has a life sentence in Idaho. If something were to happen and she were to no longer have a life sentence in Idaho, then they would ship her to Arizona to do start whatever sentence they gave her in Arizona. But yeah, her little foray to Arizona, whenever that takes place, will just be for a period of time. She will be eventually returned to the state. Then she'll come back here to live and she she won't go there unless something crazy and wild happens. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Exactly. So. Okay. All right. Should we move on to favorite things? Yes. (laughs) You are not happy with me tonight. (laughs) I am making you try weird food. This is like our what? Third month in lieu of favorite things, trying strange food. Trying, trying strange food. Although I do have a favorite thing I'm going to share. So if you had an actual favorite thing you wanted to share, you could do that. But let's try our strange food first. So last month when we recorded in October, I said, Ariane, pumpkin season is upon us. We need to try something pumpkin flavored. Now, you and I both have the same feeling about pumpkin spice. We do, we do not like pumpkin pie. We Neither have a pumpkin us, aversion. We're, yeah, we are not, we, we do not live and die by, by, by the pumpkin. Well, I found these. These are pumpkin spice frosted flakes. And so before I left for Utah, 
I put some of them in a little baggie so that you and I could taste them together because I have the box, you have the baggie. So you are smelling them. First, describe the smell and well, what you I've think been of the smelling smell. them through the Ziploc bag. They've been sitting on my desk for two days where you left them. Even They're when pungent. the zip. Even when the Ziploc bag was closed, I was like, it smells like a candle. It just smells like a candle. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They have a very pungent odor to them. Okay, I'm trying one. Okay. They taste like not super pumpkin-y. No. A little pump. You know what's the aftertaste? They have a pumpkin aftertaste, but when you're... Eating them, they taste like a normal frosted flake that smells like a candle. With a little bit of cinnamon. Mm-hmm. So what I found that interesting, too, is they they smell more pungent than they taste. <laughs> and honestly, I think with milk, they might not be that bad. They might be okay with milk. This they is not, the, okay worst. With- this is not no. the worst thing you've fed me. See? She's threatening See? to f- she's threatening to feed me tomato cupcakes next month. <laughs> tomato soup cupcakes is what I'm threatening to feed you From next month. a weird old Mormon cookbook. Oh, yes. I will I, make you a deal. If I try, if I, if I get our Instagram page for our favorite things back up and running, cause I've been very delinquent. I have not been posting. If I promise to get that back up and running, can the tomato soup cupcakes be my last taste test? I think I could live with that. I think I could live with that deal. Okay. I have a okay. mic. <laughs> this, these pumpkin, Frosted Flakes are probably going to be nothing compared to those tomato cupcakes. So I need to gear up. (laughs) I think you're building the tomato soup cupcakes way worse than they're actually going to be. I I actually, I'm actually having faith. You're optimistic? I am optimistic that the tomato soup cupcakes that we're going to try next month, that I am then going to take to my linger longer, will actually be palatable. (laughs) You're optimistic because you're not the one that made the bread in the can last time. Okay, the bread in the can had a very um had a very Christmassy gingerbready feel taste to it. Had an odd texture, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about this. But here's the, here's the other deal too. I I have enough. Uh, I bought double what I needed to make the lime jello, so I probably will be making the lime jello next month as well. Maybe oh, I'll okay. maybe I'll get brave and add the carrots in. Well, I am very excited to hear how your response, how your ward responds to the tomato soup cupcakes. We need the full report on that. We'll get the full report. Will so. Will you have served those before we podcast next month? No, because we are going to podcast on the day that we're having our ward Christmas party. And they haven't set Linger longer yet for December, but I think it'll probably be the week after. So, Oh, bummer. I I may have to wait until the new year to return and report on tomato soup cupcakes. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, because it was a slow news week, we do not. Patreon subscribers, I am so sorry. We, We are fresh out of stories. Uh, so we will not be having any extra content for Patreon this week, but that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy and appreciate you very much. So thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We will get back hopefully in December with some extra content. Uh, 
And so for now, if you want to reach out, if you have any comments or questions about the show, you can reach out at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. And you heard it here. Arianne is going to revive the Twin Sisters Instagram so that she ha- so that I will stop inflicting really gross yes. food upon her. Yes, it'll be uh, so worth it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, listeners. Have a, have a good night. Thanks for listening.